Welcome to the 16th episode of the Sunday Vibe Reset. And it's been quite a big week this week. We've had quite a lot going on. We've had um, the new rover on Mars, Perseverance. It's quite a big thing. Uh, but we're not really focused on that sort of large news story on this show. Athena, have you got anything slightly unexpected, bit left field that might have happened this week that we could talk about? I actually do, Alex. Thanks for asking. Uh, so, you know, on this show, we like to talk about big discoveries, things that scientists just happen to learn about. When yeah, they do learn a lot of weird things, don't they? Like, it's odd that they keep discovering stuff. You'd have thought they'd have finished by now. Exactly. Uh, well, latest discovery, a wildlife photographer has snapped a shot of a never-seen-before yellow penguin. Oh my god, that's so cool. Sorry, I love this. This is my new favourite bird. Um, <laughs> I'd like to tell the, the, the surfing duck in Australia he can go away. The, the yellow penguin is so much better. How, how do they find a new penguin? I'm quite confused by this, to be honest. So it, there's kind of a like a regular penguin, but instead of being black and white, it is yellow and white. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it looks stylish. It looks like someone's had a bit of a play around on Photoshop, but... And um, no, it's actually been found in South Georgia on an island in 2019 by a photographer. And he has just released the photos now. And yeah, um, everyone's loving them. I like how I like how he waited. I think this is exactly now. Now is the moment that we want to find the yellow penguin. So hats off to that photographer. He had good patience. Imagine sitting on the yellow penguin for two years. I, I don't have that nerve. I would like to highlight that both of us can pronounce penguin better than Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I know. That's... I mean, it's not hard, is it? <laughs> Still. But anyway, he's definitely one of the winners of this week, uh, even if he's got a bit of a long game plan, uh, planning this out ahead. Uh, I'd like to go through a few more winners and losers of this week. and I'd say it's mostly been a week of winners. However, I'd like to open with our loser, which is definitely the Royal Mail. They've lost a few times on this show, actually. And they lose this week because they delivered a postcard 77 years late <laughs> and we've all had a few problems with you know amazon they take a little bit of time you're getting a delivery it's not quite arriving when you expect it but bill coldwell was 18 when he sent a postcard in 1943 and it's only just arrived at his son's house uh conveniently still in the family uh but it was wishing his wife well as he went off to you know join the war he came back and all it's all fine no yeah. But um, but only just arriving now. So I'm sure they had a bit of an argue, argument at the time. Uh, why aren't you writing to me? Turns out he was. <laughs> we'll never see that one remedied. It's the fact that it's probably someone at the post office who went, oh, this is a stamp from 1943. Should we still deliver it? Yeah, someone saw that and went, oh no, we're a bit late. Let's, let's get this one sent now. <laughs> I mean, they do say that postcards take longer, but I, I never really believed them until now. <laughs> anyway, as I said at the start of this, we also only cover the menial stories of the week and perhaps the least least impactful that I could possibly find is that we're getting new emojis. So we're going to play a tiny little game here. 
Find out what do you think is important to have an emoji for? What emojis do you think they've developed this week to address current current trends? I've seen that they've added uh, serene with a blank liquid in it to symbolise the COVID vaccine. Yes, and I really don't know how I feel about this, but they've replaced the blood syringe with COVID syringe. Oh, so do we no longer have the blood syringe? Ah, it's it's a swap. It's a swap. It's gone. Yeah, I know. Not that many people were using it before, but you know who is going to be winner of the week in a few years? We're planning ahead now. (laughs) Generating content. I like this. (laughs) Probably the NHS regarding the fact that a record number of students have applied to study nursing at UK universities since the COVID pandemic started. I mean, hats off to those people. At no point in this have I been watching and gone, yeah, I'd like to be in one of those hospitals right now. Uh, but I guess most people are clearly better than me. Um, and I'm very, very, very happy to accept that. <laughs> There's been a 32% increase in the request to go to nursing school in the UK. So that's like, that's definitely one of the stats that we enjoy on this show. Yeah, yeah. Excellent stat. Keep that one coming. And, you know, it couldn't, it couldn't really be winners and losers without talking about some weird climate change discovery. Because they keep finding stuff. And, you know, one day something has to work. But we found the best bush at, the, at stopping climate change. <laughs> and it's the Cotton Easter which is uh, a wonderful, wonderful hedge, which is 20% better at soaking up CO2 than other shrubs. And now they're thinking, we can just plant this alongside every road. Uh, problem solved. You know, nice, easy. Can't believe we spent so long on this. That's, that's quite good. You know, I would, I would actually be quite interested in seeing how they tested that. Was it just like they put a bunch of bush from the same species in one room, put a bunch of CO2 with it and just waited and did that again and again and again no uh, they uh they did this uh, in the field they just it doesn't sound that scientific to be honest as i look at it but they went to real roads with real hedges and they you know did the science i'm not going to claim to understand how it works whatever they found they they just saw how good it was so you know there's no better way to pick your sample than that is there <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll have to trust them. You know who's a loser of this week? So there's a man in the UK called Liam Thorpe, and he is in his 30s, and he has no underlying health conditions. Yet he has been offered a COVID vaccine after an NHS error mistakenly listed him as 6.2 centimetres in height instead of 6 foot 2. Yes. This is a wonderful, wonderful story. I see that he got the he got the vaccine because uh, they thought his BMI was twenty eight thousand, exactly. which makes us all feel better about ourselves, doesn't it? And my favourite part about this story is that he told BBC Radio Five Live, "I've put on a few pounds in lockdown, but I was surprised to have made it to clinically morbidly obese." Yeah, well, I'm surprised they didn't have to like invent a new category. Uh, I don't know what comes above clinically morbidly obese, but uh, yeah, maybe we found it. 
28,000. That's quite that's quite a number to reach. But anyway, we uh, we mentioned the pandemic, so we have to immediately offset that. And I would like to talk about score. Now, what's your favourite moment of score, Athena? It's got to be between Mr. Brideside and Angels. Ah, One of well, these two. I'm very, very glad that you said Angels because I like to educate a little bit on a show. You know, that's what we're here for. And there's a... Robbie Williams revealed quite a lot about how he wrote Angels this week. Oh. And it turns out he didn't. And I think for anyone who got the results to you recently and you're concerned about plagiarism, uh, i just like everyone to know that Robbie Williams' sister wrote a poem that said, As the feeling grows, he breathes flesh to my bones. And Robbie Williams just went, Yes, I'll have that. So there you go. <laughs> I think that's cheating, but it's it's just nice to conjure up a few memories of being on the dance floor shouting that in someone's face. Well, you know what? After that, I think we all need to hear a story about some good family dynamics where you're not stealing your siblings' work, which is why I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that uh, Paddington 3 movie is officially in the works. I did not know this, and I'm very, very excited. Paddington 1, excellent. Paddington 2, unusually for a sequel, absolutely lived up to the first one. Paddington 3, like, I'm worried, but I'm also excited. Like, this is a good feeling. Yeah, what more could we need at the moment other than a bear wanting some marmalade sandwiches? That is a dream. Well, I think we mustn't forget the big anniversary that we are all celebrating this week. It, it has been 19 years since Steve Bradbury won gold at the ice skating race that we have all seen before. But in case you haven't seen him, basically he was among the last skaters and then everyone else fell and he won. Yes, he, I think he should be everyone's hero. The number of times that I've had to watch that video and someone's told me, never give up. It's it's quite crazy. But when you actually think about it, like he clearly was quite decent at speed skating. Like he, he made it to the final in the Olympics. True. Only because the same thing happened in the semi-finals, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> um and that was Australia's first winter Olympic gold medal. So I mean that that's a sentence. Sounds wrong, but <laughs> it's exactly what we want. I'm so glad we can relive that. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. That's it's one of my favourite clips. Yeah, that clip, every single time, just fills you up with joy without fail. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it gives me the same emotions as Chariots of Fire, uh, but in a somehow better way. <laughs> right, and now, Alex, I know that you have been waiting for the new James Bond movie to come out in theatres for quite a while now. Yeah, well, I think I think we all have it. Even if even if you didn't really want it to happen, like you just want it to be over by this point. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely hanging on for that. Now, I would like you to take a few moments to reflect on this number that I've found out about this week. How much would it cost to build one of James Bond's villains' lairs? Hmm. That's interesting because I know some of them like exist. Like I know definitely the house in Diamonds Forever. Like you could buy it. Like someone did build it. 
I don't know. There's a lot of rogue things you wouldn't normally put in a house on there. I don't know how much a trapdoor costs to install. I didn't ask our builder about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't know. You've got to have all that fancy lighting as well. You can't just have normal fittings. You have to make everything a little bit creepy. And all that modernist furniture is going to cost a lot, isn't it? I'm going to go with like 12... 12 million because you've got to put most of your money towards your evil plans you can't spend it all on the house right so according to this study that i found online um they first estimate that it would cost you about three million to just get the land on which to build your villain's lair because they're always in great locations let's face it see i'm surprised at that because they're quite often like miles away from all other people um, in like sort of back remote places. But I guess they've always got these like spectacular views or in national parks or something really corrupt. So, yeah, exactly. Maybe. And also they're always really big. So you got to you got to have some space. Yeah, you got to have a lot of land don't you. You got to have all of the land around it so as the people can't come close. Then it will depend on what kind of layer you're going for. Um, some, for example, if you're Blofeld and you decide that you want to create an artificial lake inside a volcano. Um, yes, that was a rogue decision. You can count about 240 millions to add. But they say that overall you should be getting about 17 millions to build the lair itself. But then you would have to add 15 yearly millions that you would have to pay to pay for the guards and to pay for your local piranhas and sharks. I have acquired so much knowledge in a thing that I've never thought about and probably never will think about again in my life. But You're an architect. Yeah. You're supposed to think about houses. Yeah, but as an architect, like I think one of your one of your jobs is to think about what's really necessary in this building. Like, what's a waste of money? And I think the big artificial indoor lake. Like that's got, as you're doing the budget cuts, that's got to be like number one on the list. You get rid of the big lake. You don't need that. Hmm. I, I guess I see your point. Yeah, put the money into nicer windows. That's what I say. Alex, you do enjoy going to the gym, don't you? Not at the moment. Uh, I don't know. You can't <laughs> pick me up like some sort of gym lad. I, uh, I, I, I definitely do, definitely do like it. But it's been a long time. I, I miss the place certainly. Well, I think you'll be. I think you'll be happy to hear that a French startup is developing a special mask that will not only block the virus but also kill it. Which Why is, haven't they done this already? This is sensible. Well, the viruses would disappear with a ninety-nine point nine percent rate uh, no. in less than five minutes, which means that they could notably allow gyms to reopen. Yeah, well, can they do this a little faster, please? <laughs> I I feel I've had to like fill the void of uh, the gym with running, and my legs are tired now. So please, <laughs> every day is leg day, and it's killing me. Now, we have for the last few weeks missed our beloved record of the week, yet mm. it is back. What has someone done? I'm sure it'll be useful to society. The record of this week is the most coconuts smashed with one hand in one minute. 
that's so so much exactly what i was expecting it's shocking how close that is to exactly what i expect from these people these days um how long do they have one minute i really don't even know where to start like is the limiting factor in this sort of speed of going along doing it or is it like you can only hit one coconut before your hand kills and you have to stop <laughs> i'd entirely forgotten the feeling of having to try and answer these i reckon that you couldn't do more than one every two seconds i'm going with like 30 coconuts which i would be impressed by but people are good at things that i don't like that they can do it is actually 122 <laughs> okay no part of my brain thought it could possibly be over 60. That's so stupid. This person needs to get some sort of life. That's not even a useful skill in any situation. <laughs> How? How? Yeah, you got two hands, so I guess you kind no, of... No, he's used... it's with one hand. Okay, that's stupid then. I don't like this. <laughs> How? I don't know. It's a terrifying video. We need to make a list of like the most stupid records that we've had on this show and we can celebrate the worst one at the end of the year. <laughs> That's which, so... one, which one has been the worst one so far, according I to you? I don't remember them. That's the issue. Ah. There was some stupid man who did a really stupid thing. Something about shrimp. Oh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> okay, maybe not. I might need some positivity to bring me back from that. Now, I, I feel weirdly insecure about my inability to smash coconuts with my bare hands. Hand. Singular. Ha hand. Well, someone has found out that a new study estimates that leaving the camera off during a video call could cut your environmental impact by up to 96%. This is something that I have never considered in my life but i guess it's sort of true like images on the internet do sort of have quite a high carbon footprint i mean it seems like a sort of meaningless discovery because i'm not gonna turn off my camera for the environment's sake i'll turn off my camera because i don't want everyone seeing me hung over um but you know that, someone's done some research and discovered that uh and after hearing about the coconut man, that seems meaningful. So thank you for that. And I'll leave you with one last discovery that has been made that should help you, you know, to work despite all the hangovers and cameras turned off this week. It is that research suggests that listening to modest ambient noise or music helps us to relieve stress and be more creative. Well, I can I can combine that into the hangover. And did you know that if you scan the neck of a Doombar bottle, it'll play you some ambient music. So therefore, you can sort of combine combine work and pleasure. <laughs> you can maybe drinking Doombar will make you more productive, according to that study. Oh. And I can't think of a better note than that to end this on. Yeah, I think that quite says it all. Um, thank you for listening to this episode 16 of the Sunday Vibe Reset and you'll hear back from us next week.